Hi, I'm Kristen, and this is the Simple Handmade Everyday Podcast, where I talk about living a creative, intentional life. I like to chat about quilting, sometimes knitting, what I'm reading and watching, and a little bit about keeping a cozy, organized home. You can find me online at my blog, Simple Handmade Every Day, and on Instagram at Kristen Esser. I've got my cup of tea in hand, so let's settle in for a chat. This is episode 29. Hi there. It is so good to be back. I feel like I've been trying to sit down to record all week. I finally got to it today. Actually, and I'm even about a week late. Not that anybody would notice, but uh, I usually try to go every other week with these episodes. But on certain months, basically, if it turns out there's three episodes in a month, my where I host my podcast does not let me upload that much information for the plan I'm on. So I always kind of push it back a week. And that's where we are right now. But it is great to be back here at the beginning of June as spring is slipping into summer and the weather is gorgeous. And uh, things are crazy. Was May crazy for you? <laughs> I keep seeing things that, and it's true, you, you forget you think, oh, things are gonna get so easy as we slide into the end of the school year. But people are saying that May is the new December. <laughs> And I kind of agree, even though I only have one kid left in, you know, school, high school, it is still full of the last of the jazz band competitions, the concert band performances, AP testing, what else? All those things, audition upon audition, if you're in the music field like he is. And so, my goodness, it has been, it's been crazy, but it's been wonderful. It's just... um yeah, I think we'll all be glad when school is out here in California. I mean, I guess it's different, different places, but basically all my kids are home by the 15th. (laughs) So we still have another week to go. And that's something that I'm thinking a lot about lately, actually. You know, this little threesome we have here with my husband and my high school and I, you know, we live a very quiet, routine driven life. And all of that is about to go out the window as my 19 and 21 year old college students come home. So I'm very much looking forward to it, but also realizing that I'm going to need to create some new routines and maybe most importantly, expectations about how the summer is going to go. Things involving how clean they need to keep the bathroom, how they need to be dealing with their own Uh, dishes and that every time you plop down on the couch and throw the throw pillows onto the floor and grab a quilt you don't get just to throw the quilt on the floor and then walk away because I have this memory of last year of cleaning of of you know fluffing the pillows and folding the quilts a thousand times a day last summer (laughs) also it was last summer when I came up with this idea that um there's three kids and I basically I am splitting the the cleaning into three categories and they are all if if they're not working full-time then they will each be taking a turn on and doing the cleaning because there's no way that I'm going to sit there all morning and into the early afternoon working and then spend the rest of the afternoon cleaning when they got up at 11 and have done virtually nothing with their lives since then I sound really bitter but I'm not I'm so happy to have them home but we just we need to work these little kinks out early on and we will have a very pleasant summer. I've got all kinds of ideas about intentionally spending family time 
um, whether, you know, like weekly hikes, um, bike rides. My husband and I did this bike ride over the weekend. It was one of those weird days that are even, they're, they're more common now, but, um, than they used to be, but it was a day where nobody was home. So my son had gone on a deep sea fishing trip uh, with a friend. So we had a whole day that he wasn't going to be there. And I'm like, we should go do something fun. So we put the bikes on the rack and went to Ojai. And there's this very cool bike ride between Ventura and Ojai, which is 15 miles one direction. So people apparently start in Ventura, ride sort of at this slight incline for 15 miles, you get to Ojai and then you have breakfast or lunch and then it's much more pleasant coming down. It's, but that's a 30 mile, mile bike ride and I'm just like kind of not down with that. It's kind of a bucket list or it used to be a bucket list item. I think I'm cured of it now. So what we did is we went to Ojai, which is just this adorable little hippie town that we're already making plans to move to so that we can be the cool grandparents with the funky old house. But so we, we park in Ojai and it's a very nice, um, it, it, there's a, a particular, you know, like bike route that's even, it's paved and everything. And um, we rode nine miles kind of semi downhill to this particular park where we took a break that took us 45 minutes, like perfect. <laughs> the problem was at that point, and it's not like it's so downhill that you never have to um, pedal or anything. I mean, it still takes some effort to do that. But then we turned around and we went basically you know, very slightly uphill for nine miles to get back to <laughs> Ojai. And oh my God, I thought that last couple miles was going to kill me. It was, it was a little brutal. It took an hour and a half. So that just kind of tells you, but it, but you know, it's, it's good to push yourself physically sometimes. And, and then we had a really nice lunch and I had a well-deserved margarita and I just want to do stuff like that. I want to go do fun things, physical things with the kids, hiking, bike riding, um, I don't know what else, probably some board games, stuff like that. So I'm, I'm looking forward to having the whole, the whole crew home. And um, yeah, so that's kind of what's going on around here. Oh, of course, I forgot to talk about my tea. As usual, it's sitting right here. Um, you know, it's just, I think it's the same one I was drinking last time, which was now three weeks ago, but it's the Fortnum and Mason Royal Blend um, that my daughter got me for Mother's Day from Williams Sonoma. I think I put a link in the show notes that was, I think I found it on Amazon last time. So I'll put a link in the show notes. I'm telling you, it's the best tea you're ever going to have. If you'd like it, just a straight up wonderful blended black tea. I've got a little half and half in it. And I almost, um, made myself a cup of just the Trader Joe's decaf green tea before I started, but um, I'm recording in the afternoon now. It's actually two o'clock in the afternoon and I was yawning heavily. I'm like, you know what? I think I need a little more caffeine. So, so that's where we are with the tea. And uh, I hope that you are drinking something fun. I keep hearing about people that have kind of gotten into tea since they've been listening. And I think that's wonderful. I fully want to be uh, an enabler in that way. And as a matter of fact, in order to get her to commit, I'm going to tell you right now that sometime in the next few podcasts, my friend Pam, my British friend Pam, as I like to call her, she is going to be a guest on the podcast and she is going to teach you how to make a proper cup of English tea because as uh, a Brit here in the U.S., it is the number one question that she gets asked, how do you make a proper cup of English tea? English tea? And she's going to come on here and tell you, and I'm super excited about that. Thanks to Fat Quarter Shop for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. 
That Quarter Shop is a one-stop show for quilting, fabrics, and supplies for quilters around the world. They stock quilt shop quality fabrics, pre-cuts, quilt kits, patterns, and notions. And did you know that they now carry cross-stitch supplies? They're always coming up with exciting new exclusives, clubs, and quilt-along programs. And this month, you can get 20% off of Moda Grunge fabric. Have you used grunge? I love it. That Quarter Shop carries all major brands like Moda, Riley Blake, Wyndham, Robert Kaufman, and Art Gallery with the largest selection of Fat Quarter bundles in the world. Whatever fabric, pattern, or notion you're looking for, chances are they have it. Visit them at fatquartershop.com. I'll put a link in the show notes. Let's talk quilting. What have you been working on? I have felt a little bit in a funk lately, to be honest with you, but... I did cut out my solids quilt, the Rooftop Wonders, that I've been talking about for approximately a year. I don't know when I started talking about it. It seems like it's been a year. It's cut out. And I'm super excited. And I was just about to get started sewing it when I decided that maybe I was going to take a little detour and um, sew up this pink and navy quilt that I had planned um, with Minky Kim's Someday Fabric. It's uh, She's got a, a whole selection of really cute colors, but I've always wanted to do a pink and navy quilt. Pink stars, navy chaining blocks. Um, I think it'll be cute. First, I made it as a, designed it as a twin size with big 12-inch blocks because that sounded kind of fun. But you know what? I don't make twin size quilts. I don't make bed size quilts very often, and I don't particularly have anyone to give a twin size girls bed quilt to because frankly that would just open a whole mess of um like of obligations of like making a a a twin size quilt for like every niece so i'm just gonna sidestep that make it throw sized i downsized the blocks to eight inches because they are based on a 16 block grid which means that some of my patches are going to be as small as an inch so that'll be kind of a piecing um, challenge but I'm up for that so I think I might cut that out and sew that up first and maybe send it out for long arming because I'm a little bit addicted to long arming Um, I was just looking at that Irish chain quilt that I talked about last podcast and man do I love the the motif that's on that? And it just took that whole quilting thing right off my plate. It, it's there's an expense to it. There is. So that's the you know the part um, that's hard to get over as a quilter. You know, quilting by check, as they say. This woman's very very reasonable. So that I mean, it's not a big issue. But yeah, you know, you just have to go. Oh, you know what? It is it is worth paying for so that I can just move on and stay doing the parts of the quilting process that I enjoy and that I am frankly better at. And you know what? When you send a quilt to a long armor, you don't have to baste it either, which is absolutely my, you know, like least favorite part of the quilting process. So anyways, Deanna, there's going to be another quilt coming your way soon. Um, what else have I been up to? Made those two things. Um, finally got around to, uh, photographing the Irish chain quilt that I made, but that'll be in a blog hop probably, um, in the next week. Um, June 18th, I think is my day on the, um, Quilting in the Rain Irish, um, no, Quilting in the Rain Loyal Heights blog tour. So have you been following that along with that? I'll put a link somewhere if I can figure out how to if there's a one place for it but so many adorable projects are being done with that loyal heights fabric i highly recommend it it's like a a, it's got like 36 pieces of fabric in it 
you know, so there's just so much, so much choice. Um, and I also um, made a few scrappy Quilt As You Go coasters. I've been really wanting to make coasters lately. All the coasters I have are like three inches. They're really, I would call them um, skimpy. I like a good five, five and a half inch coaster. So I kind of whipped up a few of those just with some scraps of batting and scraps of a Loyal Heights fabric. Um, and I used the opportunity to practice doing machine binding, which I talked about doing. What did I do machine binding on? Oh, the Prairie Sisters um, table runner. And there was a few parts that I kind of veered off course and didn't do that perfectly. And when I talked about that in one of my last podcasts, I was contacted by, oh, I think it was Tracy who told me to, like what I'd said that I didn't like about doing the um the machine binding is that when you, you have to pin the heck out of it and it just gets really awkward with so many pins. And she said, use glue um, to hold that binding in place because what you want to do is you wrap it, you sew it on the front, just like you were going to hand stitch it. And then when you roll it to the back, you just need to make sure that you um, overlap your stitching line because as you stitch in the ditch from the front, you want to make sure that you're catching the very edge of it. And that's where it went wrong for me a little bit, but I used glue this time and it came out fine. So I did like two little coasters like that. And then I decided that I really like coasters where you just um, do what I think they weirdly call the birthing method, you know, where you just sew around, you sew around it um, and pull it through the gap and then hand stitch the, the um, gap closed. And so I've got kind of, you know, a variety of ways that I did that, but that was kind of fun, you know, just kind of like that mindless kind of, um, project that gets you back into the sewing room, I can be oddly resistant to sewing. It's, I, I, it's weird. Um, the chance that I get to sew most days is about 7 or 7.30 at night after dinner's done. Um, I go for a walk in the evening with my husband and then I come back. And what I really kind of want to do at that point is just like veg out on social media, which makes me feel so yucky. And I do not really want to do that but that is the easy choice. And sometimes like kind of wrapping your mind around getting back into a project and it's just a little hard for me. I, I need to leave myself something very easy to get into. And so that's what that little project kind of did for me um, a few nights ago was just, it's an easy sewing project. Um, so that's kind of fun. I haven't taken, I, I haven't even stitched the stitch those clothes, but maybe I'll try to take a picture and throw that into the show notes as well. If not, they'll show up somewhere. The other um, thing sewing-wise that's going on is the Moda Bake Shop Summer Quilt Along. I think I talked about it last time, but it's officially starting now. And um, so there's a, um, how's it working? It's a, it's a summer by the seashore theme, 12 inch block, finished blocks. And they're release, releasing a few every few days, I guess. I, th I thought it was once a week, but I guess th there are a ton of blocks. I can tell you that. And um, I think they released two or three setting options. So if you just have, um, you know, a fat quarter bundle that you're not sure what to do with, or you really want to go shopping, or you just want to shop your stash, these sew-alongs with the Moda Bake Shop are so much fun, especially if you join the Moda Bake Shop Bakers Facebook group where people are just so gung-ho for it. So I've got a couple of blocks um, that will be appearing over the course of the summer and um, like, there are so many that are so adorable. I feel like mine are amongst the least <laughs> imaginative, but you know, they're cute. They, they go along with the theme and they were fun to do. And, um, so I actually need to do my final, um, blocks of those and photograph them and, and get those posts up. But they're, they're my 
post or not for a while yet. So you might want to check out the, the Moda Bake Shop Quilt Along. So let's talk about stuff uh, that I do when I am resistant to stepping into the sewing room, and that is reading books and watching shows. Um, I haven't done a ton of reading. I am reading a couple of things, though, and I feel weird talking about both of them just because I haven't finished them. And so I always feel a little hesitant to recommend things that I haven't finished, but I'm going to, or I'll have nothing to talk about. The first one um, is a book highly recommended by my daughter, who is an English major and um, a very discerning reader. It's called The Secret History by Donna Tartt. Now, you may know Donna Tartt because she wrote The Goldfinch that won the Pulitzer Prize in 2014. Now, I did not read that book, and it seems like everyone who did either loved it or hated it. And I have to say that um, my daughter, Chloe, was kind of in the hated it camp, <laughs> Could like did not get through it. But The Secret History by the same author, written 20 years before or so, is one of her favorite books. And it's um, about a group of kids who meet in college. I can kind of see why she loves it, because it's very much, you know, it's a college story. And um, about so a, a group of kids in college and this sort of an outsider who kind of breaks into their group. And they're super it's a super pretentious East Coast kind of college with a lot of old money and people pretending they have money who don't have money. And um, the whole book starts off with a murder. And so now, you know, the rest of the book is just unraveling how how we got there. And so I'm really enjoying it. I am. I'm looking at it. I'm not that far in. I'm maybe only about a quarter of the way through. But um, one of my favorite things to do with Chloe is to talk books. We go for walks and we say, what are you reading? And we talk books. And this is how I, for instance, totally learned the story of the Hunger Games, <laughs> for instance. She, she completely told me those stories. I actually did eventually read those books. And another series that we have enjoyed discussing that we listen to as an audiobook, as I've you know, took her back and forth to college, is a YA series called um, The Raven Cycle. Now that I say that out loud, it's sounding wrong by, by Maggie Steve Otter. And, um, but yeah, The Raven Cycle. And um, that was a very fun book. It's a, a little, a little fantasy element. And um, that was a fun book to talk to her about. So Chloe highly recommends The Secret History. And so far, so do I. Um, I also downloaded, and it's probably not a deal anymore, but the new Gretchen Rubin book was $2.99 on Kindle, um, Outer Order, <laughs> let me see, let me say that, Outer Order, Inner Calm, and um, I'm, I've just started it, you know, I'm just, I'm a glutton for these kinds of books about organizing and cleaning, even though I feel like at this point in my life, I could write a book on organizing or cleaning or habits, but um, she she's so good at this, and I'm totally right now into that um, part of my, uh, the, and my energy is going towards decluttering. I'm st I'll talk more about it later, but I'm still on the whole clean out the garage project and stuff, and so um, if you need inspiration for doing things like that, like, I don't know, I kind of like having a summer project. I like looking back on summer and saying, oh yeah, that was the summer that we completely cleaned out the garage. Or that was the summer that, you know, here's a little bit I'd like to say, that was the summer I lost 20 pounds. 
know, like whatever your project is, I think it's uh, it's kind of fun to like set aside the summer, even though sometimes I feel like that's the worst time to do it because you think you have a lot of time, but often you really don't. But anyways, Outer Order, Inner Calm by Gretchen Rubin. Oh, the other thing is um, I kind of got sick of watching TV while I was um, sewing. And so I started an audiobook. So I, someone long ago on the podcast told me to try the Libby app. And so now I'm on that with all my various local libraries. And um, they never have like, if I search for a book that I want to listen to, they never have it. So I just like look through available books at this point. And I found, um, you're gonna laugh, a one of the Louise Penny books. Louise Penny, if you're new here, is one of my all time favorite authors. Um, she has the series, the Inspector Gamache series, and I just found one of the books, and it was, um, it's called, oh my gosh, I the beautiful something, and now I can't remember what it's called. I'll put it in the show notes, but it is um, one of the books in the middle of the series, and I said it a million times, and I'm gonna say it again. It's a series that gets better, like in the middle of the series gets really good, and this is um, the point in the series where things really change um like it starts to go kind of a new um direction so actually i'm gonna pause i'm gonna find the name of this um book because it's driving me crazy it's called the beautiful mystery by louise penny and the reader is really good so if you have um libby or something and you've I've been curious about the Inspector Gamache books. That's a really good way uh, to to listen to them. I really like that. And that's about it on the book side. Oh, so many good shows right now um, that I've been watching. First of all, did you know that Outlander is now on Netflix? So I read, I think, the first five Outlander books. I have not finished them. I I should probably get back to that. But some, you know, it was a slog. (laughs) I needed a break. but I never really thought that I was ever going to get to watch the show because, you know, it was on like, is it stars or something? You know, something we don't do those pre- we don't even have cable. So I was never going to get a chance to watch that. But it just appeared on Netflix and um, it's cast so beautifully. I, and maybe it's because I've seen those people, but you know, they, they totally encapsulate Claire and Jamie to me. And it is um, beautifully shot. And I love watching um, the stuff that she's wearing, you know, they're in Scotland. I mean, I'm assuming you kind of know what Outlander's about. It's a time travel thing, a woman from post-World War II England, uh, rather inexplicably, ends up 200 years before in the Scottish Highlands. And um, so, you know, she gets sort of, I actually, I love her clothes in, in the 40s. Her clothes are beautiful. And she's like this very, like, trim, thin woman. So everything looks great on her. But... Um, and when she's in the Scottish Highlands, she wears a lot of like hand knit stuff and a lot of stuff that just goes over her shoulders. And it looks so charming on her, um, which is funny because people still knit these things now, these little, I don't know what they call them, caplets or shawlettes, um, were things that just cover their shoulders. And honestly, I look at them and think, who wears that? You know, especially no one's wearing it in California, but I have a hard time picturing wearing it in Maine. But it just just doesn't compute um, in, you know, the 21st century. But in the, what is it, 18th century, it looks absolutely adorable. <laughs> so Outlander is on Netflix. You should totally check it out. Um, I call that my iPad show because... Um, 
there's some racy scenes. Just, I mean, if you've read the books, there are some racy scenes. So it's like not something that I like just having on the TV where my 16-year-old son can just walk in because <laughs> that makes me feel uncomfortable, a little bit of a prude. Um, so yeah, that's like something that I'd like have just in front of me. Also, if it's on an iPad like that, then I can, well, fast forward past the goriness, you know, when people are getting, say, flogged. Um, so yeah, there's some gore and there's some sex, which sounds a lot like Game of Thrones. Um, but, uh, still it's a great story. Um, Call the Midwife season eight is out on Netflix only two episodes, the two Christmas episodes. I have not checked the PBS. I keep forgetting to check PBS. I assume that I've accessed the rest of the ep the season there, but I haven't checked that. But that's kind of fun to get back to, to to revisit those those old friends that are characters over there and call the midwife. Um, Handmaid's Tale just dropped. The new season started. So I'm excited about that. A little scared. You know, it's... It's hard to watch, um, and it had a bit of a cliffhanger ending at the last season, so I'm excited about that. And once again, for the millionth time, if you were not watching Madam Secretary, it is like maybe one of my all-time favorite shows. And the relationship between um, her and her husband, it's just, it's relationship goals, man. Relationship goals, that's all I can say. So totally loving that. We're going to run out of those soon. We're on the, like the last season that's out. I uh, hear it's coming back. I think we're on the season four. I think there will be a fifth season. I don't know if that's the end of it or not. I'm going to be so sad. I might have to like privately just start that over and watch it again. Uh, but the other thing that was really fun to watch is my friend Pam from England, Pam. Um, we went and watched a movie together called The Biggest Little Farm. And um, I don't know how widely distributed this movie is going to be. Hopefully it will be on Netflix someday. But it is about, it's a documentary about a farm here in War Park where I live. About this couple that moved from Santa Monica for various reasons and bought this land that had been very neglected. That's in my town, but you know, obviously I'm kind of more in the suburban part. Um, I get Where we live, it's called, it's considered semi-rural. Um, but they're out in the farmland. And um, they just had a vision of building a traditional farm. So we are surrounded. Um, it's called semi-rural where I live because I am surrounded by agriculture. There are fields and fields of strawberries. Um, in Ventura County where I live, I don't know, I've heard these statistics. We supply 90% of the lemons that go to Japan. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why we're like, you know, getting lemons from Florida, but um, so we grow here citrus, lemons, oranges, avocados, strawberries, and raspberries is, is like the, the big thing. And so we have a lot of monoculture, you know, like one monocrops, just one huge, you know, acres and acres of one crop, but they had this vision of building an old fashioned traditional farm. And um, so that has, well, like they have like 75 varieties of stone fruits in, I don't know, it's some few hundred acres. Um, they have many row crops. They have pigs and sheep and chickens and ducks and a couple cows. And it was a fascinating story of how they turned this kind of barren land into this like you know, kind of, it looks like it's like a modern day Garden of Eden. And it's a great story because just as soon as like things were really taking off, then, you know, if you've got that wonderful of an environment, then pests are going to like it too. And so it was just like one problem after another, but they kept, 
they, they wanted it to be like a full ecosystem, you know, so they wanted, to, you know, to use the animals to, you know, build the fertilizer and the ducks to eat the, the snail problem they were having. And, you know, they brought in the, uh, owl houses to keep the gopher population uh, under control. And, you know, and they, as things, as they solved one problem, it sometimes created another, but it's super cool. I want to go do a tour of their farm now, but if you see that, um, anywhere, and if, especially if it eventually comes on Netflix or something, it, it definitely see it. It's called the biggest little farm. It's won a ton of awards this year from all the different film festivals. So that was, um, that was really fun. Let's move on to homemaking. I am continuing my project of tackling small nagging tasks. You're probably sick of hearing me talk about that, but I cannot overstress how fun it is to knock little things off your list like that. Um, I'm actually starting to run out of what I would consider the low hanging fruit at this point, which is good. Um, I think the last little nagging task on my list is to hit some places with touch up paint. Uh, in the house. So that um, little project has uh, has gone really well. And I'm also still on um, the Operation Clean Out the Garage project. So my husband and I are once a week, basically on Saturday or Sunday, we carve out an hour or as it was last weekend, an hour or three to tackle one little part of the garage. And we're just, you know, working our way around. So his part last weekend was tackling the toolbox um, which, you know, is, we've lived in this house for 23 years. I'm not sure that toolbox has ever really been organized. And then at some point he inherited a bunch of his dad's tools. And so it was a little bit insane. So he got to work on that. And I got to work on the four drawer file cabinet that, you know, had bank statements and tax returns, like tax returns, my, my, from my entire life, like from when I was working, when I was 16, <laughs> <laughs> I've just kept them all. And um, so it was, and you know, every warranty, I'm like throwing away stuff from jogger strollers <laughs> and, you know, um, toy, electronic toys from when the kids were little. And and so, so that was a kind of interesting. I filled up an entire recycling bin with paper and then had to pull out all the extra stuff to be shredded and then found out that I could go to the... Um, local UPS store and for 65 cents a pound, they would shred stuff for me. So I spent like seven bucks, well worth it to have stuff shredded. Only I found out that this weekend there's a fundraiser at the high school where they would have shredded stuff for me, but oh well. So that was just like so crazy that I t basically that four drawer filing cabinet, three of the drawers are now basically empty, <laughs> which feels incredible. And I just, I feel so much better about when we depart this earth someday that my kids are not going to have to deal with that because when when my husband's parents passed away they had you know all like every tax return ever that they've ever filed and stuff. so i'm just i'm so glad we're kind of dealing with that so that's feeling really organized um and what the the other side benefit of this garage project is we cleaned out the kind of area where i keep a lot of the extra costco food and stuff like that we organized it in such a way that we had all this empty space and we decided that it was time that we finally dealt with being prepared for emergencies. I live in earthquake territory and um, we've always just been a little like we should be more prepared than we are. So we did a little research and ended up going on Amazon and we bought these big five and a half gallon, um, is that right? Five and a half gallon 
water storage containers. I think we have five of them now. So we have basically for the five of us, I don't know, we've got like a week's worth of water, maybe not even that much, but five people don't live here all the time. But we have about 30 gallons of water stored in the garage in case of emergency. I was then inspired to take down one of the plastic totes that were in like a big Sterilite tote that, that had been emptied from the garage. And I just got online and looked at what we should be storing. And, you know, now there's a first aid kit in there. There's a, um, a can opener, you know, just baby wipes, you know, just all the different flashlights, tr you know, uh, transistor radio, all the kinds of things, extra batteries. And, and then we did a little bit of a stock up on all the canned food. So everything is kind of in one corner of the, of the garage. We're in trouble if we cannot access that in case of emergency, but we kind of got our stuff together on, um, like emergency preparedness, which made me feel really good. And that whole thing stemmed from creating space in the garage to to uh to do that so it's kind of how one thing leads to another kind of kind of situation i'm gonna have to stop harping about this soon but it's kind of the thing that's given me some some energy <laughs> these days um but let's talk a little bit about um also since we're coming into the summer switching up uh, menus and the kinds of foods that i want to make um this summer so i would love to hear if you guys have some go-to summer dishes um, like I should figure out a way for you to share that. And I could, sh and I could, if you guys like would email or Instagram DM or however you want to get a hold comment on, on the show notes, um, with some links or whatever to some great summertime food where you maybe don't have to turn on the oven. Cause that's a big thing with me in the summer. I really try not to turn in the oven so that the air conditioning is not working really hard. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of looking for that kind of stuff, but what I usually do, um, in the, fall and winter, I try to switch over to doing like one night is like a soup. So in the spring and summer, that switches out to a main dish salad once a week, at least once a week, sometimes more than that. So that's the kind of switch we're, we're going to now. I'm just doing a super easy chicken Caesar salad. It's um, one of my son's very favorite uh, dinners. Um, and we often do kind of a chopped salad where I just have hard boiled eggs and bacon and some cubed cheese and, um, you know, along with your uh, other normal, you know, salad stuff to make kind of very um, hearty. Oh, and, and maybe some grilled chicken to make like a hearty salad. So that's what I'm kind of switching over to right now. And one of the things that I've wanted to do for a long time is to get rid of making or of buying kind of what I would consider junk salad dressings. I've been wanting to make our own salad dressings. And a while back, I bought this bottle, and I will put a link in the show notes from Amazon that has about six or seven salad dressing recipes printed on the side, you know, with like you basically up to uh, here, you do your vinegar and up to here is your oil. And then um, they say like for Greek uh, for a, a Greek vinaigrette, then they, they have a list of, you know, put some oregano and garlic and this much salt. And, and, um, and so you can pretty easily um, make your own salad dressing. So there's a, a uh, Italian vinaigrette, a standard vinaigrette, a balsamic vinaigrette, a Greek. Um, I think we've done all of those and they're all really good. I think there's also like a Russian dressing, which I haven't done. So that's been, that's been really good. Actually, uh, I'm, I wish I liked vinaigrette dressing more. So, uh, my husband and um, 
Ben have been uh, using those. I'm actually still using the Trader Joe's blue cheese dressing, which I love so much. So I've never found a blue cheese, homemade blue cheese dressing that I love. So if you have one of those, let me know. Um, so that's been kind of fun. Like I feel, you know, I've talked about it before. I love the smug homemaker feeling like I'm, I'm like really doing the right thing here and getting off of, for instance, the Olive Garden Italian dressing which has so much sodium in it, which was had become sort of our standard for the for the boys of the family dressing. And one day I ran out of salad dressing. So I tried that one and was like, this is so salty. This is killing you people. We're going to stop buying this. And so that's how I got into the salad dressing thing. So check out this little bottle. I've had it for years and it's like I sort of aspired years ago to make our own dressings, but I finally got around to it. And now I'm totally, totally in love with it. Well, before we close this out, I checked reviews on Apple Podcasts, and I'd like to say a thank you to MF Ranger 3 and Becca LM for leaving your very kind reviews. Um, if you're new here, any ratings or reviews you do on the podcast app really help other people find the podcast, and plus they're just really fun for me to read, and I'll give you a shout out. <laughs> If you leave me one. <laughs> no, really. Thank you very much. And that about does it for this week. I hope you were able to sit down in the sunshine, something fun to drink, and enjoy this time. I know that I enjoy it, and I will see you again in a couple weeks. Have a great day.